Well, good morning, friends. Well, if you're new among us, we're in a series called Trending, and of course, uh, this is dealing with some of the think trends in society, and we're looking at what the Bible has to say about it. But we've had a great weekend here at Evangel. Uh, some of you have been a part of it. You know, it was kind of neat. On Friday night, we had our youth uh, get together, but Friday night, we had uh, 32 people show up for our Intro to Getting Married class. Isn't that cool? Coming out of our Trending series, just people that wanted to say, we want to take the next step in our relationship and really make this official and honor God in that relationship. So I'm just so proud of the people that were a part of that. And then yesterday morning, we had a fantastic group of new members, people coming that wanted to be a part of our membership here at this church. And what was interesting, we had a minister visiting from another region in Canada. And he looked around and he said, I can't get over how many young people want to be involved in this church and say, I belong to it as a member. It was an exciting class. Uh, Some of you were here for that. That was so much fun. And then last night, uh, Sega Jones, our Mission Canada worker, along with a group of volunteers, some from our church, some from other places, they put on a great meal over at the Lighthouse for a a gourmet meal, just first class for for people who uh, maybe they don't even have a home. And I just thought it was so amazing how they treated them with such dignity and just loved on them. And I just love being a part of a church like this. I just love it. So much fun. And then tonight, 6 o'clock, I love those guys. It's going to be so much fun this evening. Make sure you don't miss it. You ready to jump into our teaching? So, so we're talking about these trendings. We've learned over the last number of weeks that trends are powerful in society. I think we already know that. We know trends can take us places sometimes we didn't even expect Trends will take a society to places that they never anticipated. So we've learned that trends are powerful, but they're not infallible. So we've been taking our time and holding up those trends to the, time, the timeless truths of Scripture that we, we see truth that lasts and endures for centuries. Well, this morning we're going to talk about uh, something that's sensitive, a sensitive topic. If you have young kids, you may want to use our kids' ministry, go figure, uh, to, to where we design moments for, to equip your children to experience and know God. Because this morning we're going to talk about porn, something that affects every one of us in this room, every one of us. Now, you might think, what, how can you say this affects every one of us? Well, let me show you in a moment. Well, let me tell you a story first, though, about an 11-year-old boy. 11-year-old boy, he's out with his friends, and he's playing in his neighborhood, And one of the guys in the group says, hey, let's go back to my place. I want to show you something. And he goes back and he goes into his older brother's room. And he brings out a video. And he says, watch this. And it's a hard pornographic movie. And that 11-year-old boy, he's a Christian boy though. So he's sitting there and he's watching this movie. And he's thinking, this ain't good. And the other part of him is saying, this is great. (laughs) And he's wrestling with what this is doing to him. And that that movie, that followed him around for many years after that. Because that's how pornography works. It lingers. So I want to talk about how it affects all of us. Now, it's a huge industry. I think you know this. Did you know that 42.7% of people who use the internet view pornography? So that's about half of us in this room view pornography. But 42.7% of all people who use the internet view pornography. Isn't that staggering? Here's what's staggering. The industry is massive. Over $27 billion in revenues a year. That's enough to feed the hungry of this world, 62% of them, for over a year. Isn't that incredible? The porn industry makes more money than the NFL, 
Major League Baseball and the National Basketball Association combined. It's big. It's big. To say that it's a trend in society is an understatement. It's a massive trend. Now, just I want you to do a little guesswork here. Can you guess which gender it usually affects the most? How many would say it's women? How many would say it's men? The one guy who raised his hand for women is wrong. (laughs) Because in fact, men are 543% more likely to view porn than women. Now, I'm not a betting man, but those odds are good. I mean, if those odds were, those odds are the kind of odds that, you know, you'd stake your home on because it's 543% more likely to. Here's the interesting thing. Came out in June of this year, a magazine called Christianity Today in a survey found that 68% of Christian men view pornography weekly. Now, I'm telling you this because this is right in our wheelhouse. This is who we are. Now, what about women? Women are the fastest growing demographic of pornography users. Growing. They're not the biggest, but they're growing. In fact, one in three women view pornography. One in three. I don't know how many that would be in this room. Oh, but we're Christians. Well, it's fancy you say that. In fact, and a similar survey done in 2003, so it's a little older, so I I don't know if it wouldn't be higher. 34% of Christian women admit it to intentionally accessing internet porn. Now, I'm not saying this so you'll be shocked, because I'm going to, I have a point in all of this. What about kids, though? What about children? 40%, this is recent as June of this year by the Business Standard Magazine of Canada, 40% of Canadian boys ages 4 or grades 4 to 11 are viewing porn, a third of them every day, every day. Canadian research, Simone Lajeunesse, I hope I said his name right, found that most Canadian boys seek pornography by the age 10, before they hit puberty now. This begins to warp their understanding of sexuality. The largest consumer of internet porn are boys aged 12 to 17 globally. Used to think it was an older guy's issue. No, no, no. 12 to 17 year olds are the biggest demographic that consume pornography. Now, if you have a child between the ages of 8 and 16, there's a 90% chance they've already viewed pornography. Not my teenager. Well, funny you should say that, because seven out of ten teenagers admit that they delete the history on their internet browser and hide it from their parents. I think they're better than you at covering their tracks. Seventy percent of them. So why do I bring this all up? Not so you become judgmental. Because you could look at that and say, 68% of Christian men do this. No, no, it's not that. Because I love what Bill Perkins says. He says this. He said, if you think you can't fall into sexual sin, then you're godlier than David, stronger than Samson, and wiser than Solomon. Three of the most powerful men in the Old Testament who had sexual addictions and sexual problems. Isn't that amazing? Here's the thing, why I bring it up, is pornography affects everyone in this room, either relationally or personally. Are you a man? Do you know a man? Are you a woman? Do you know a woman? Do you know children? One of them, or some of them, or many of them, are affected by this. You're either affected by it relationally 
or personally. And there's reasons what this does to you. Because there's a part of us that can say, so what? Now, I don't mean this flippantly, but there's a part of us that in society, in this trend, when it comes to pornography, people will say things like this, if they're overt enough to say something. But you've probably thought it. It's just recreational. It's harmless. It's just harmless recreational thing. Some people think pornography will actually enhance their sexual life with a partner. They actually think that it will help them with that. Some people think it's just not a big deal. And the only problem with that line of thinking that contributes to that trend is the research that says everything, everything about what we believe there is wrong. Now, as I've done in previous messages, because it's a sensitive topic, I'm going to jump in a few minutes into 1 Corinthians 6. But before we do, I'm going to look at a little bit of the science and the research behind this. Because you may be here and saying, oh great, another moral message on sex is bad. Well, sex is not bad. I think we've established that if you've been joining us for a few weeks. But uh, this is a message about, and I'm going to start with, what does the science say about the use of pornography? And it's interesting, because of the onset of the internet in 1993, how many were in a work environment before there was email? How many worked somewhere before there was even email? Yeah. I'm that old. I remember starting pastoring. There was no internet. There was no email. But with the onset of the, uh, of the internet, when it became more available in 1993, all of a sudden we were able to collect more data and social scientists and psychologists began to see trends and things that were happening in people's lives. Here's what they discovered. 56% of people who are divorced, one of those partners was hooked on porn. Why, how can porn contribute to divorce? A lot. When a marriage partner is actually engaged in pornography... What they, do are, what they are doing is detaching emotionally from their spouse. Now, it's hard because it's a secret. And it's hard because it's your spouse knows something's wrong. They feel like there's something between you guys. But every time you bring it up, you say, everything okay? They say, yeah, why? Everything all right with you? Because there's nothing obvious. They just feel like they don't fully know you. Because you can't be vulnerable to them anymore. You're breaking and eroding the trust piece in a relationship. It's not just that. Severe clinical depression. A recent study came out in 2013, reported that it was twice, people experienced severe clinical depression twice as frequently among porn users than others. Why? Because porn rewires the brain. You're going to see this in a minute. Memory. Research this year from Germany. That those who participate in ongoing use of porn interferes with what they call working memory, the ability to focus. The biggest thing when it comes to the brain and it comes to pornography is it leads to an addiction. Now, we haven't been able to say that for that very, for very long. It's always been, people have thrown that around, oh, this sexuality, there's sex addictions. They've thrown that around. But the research now actually supports it. In fact, listen to this quote by one researcher. I thought this was fascinating. He said this, Modern science allows us to understand that the underlining nature of addiction to pornography is chemically nearly identical to a heroin addiction. It's powerful. That's what I'm trying to make. They're making the point there. It's a very powerful thing in people's lives. But, and I I made the point earlier, good people too. Good people. Why is it so addictive? Glad you asked. You notice I brought a friend with me today? It's not my brain. I still have mine. 
But this is a model of a brain, and it kind of tells us a bit how we're, we're wired. We're wired with what they call a reward circuit. In other words, and I didn't discover this until just before the service. I can take this apart. There we go. Inside of us, what's interesting about the brain is the brain is a great pharmaceutical. It's a pharmacy. It produces drugs at incredible rates. I think we kind of know that, though. Have you ever experienced the drug adrenaline? So when you're scared or when you're excited, adrenaline gets released into your bloodstream, right? And it tells your body to fight or flight, right? It's an adrenaline. It's a natural drug that the brain produces, and it's produced right in this region. Another drug, and which is associated with pornography, is a drug called dopamine. Now, I'm telling you why I'm going to spend some time talking about this, is because you're going to see that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And these ways that God made us are incredible. But because of sin... And because of the brokenness of our culture and society, they got out of whack sometimes and they actually work against us. And you're going to see this in a moment. But dopamine is a drug that is closely related to adrenaline. In fact, scientists say it's the cousin because they're both go drugs. Adrenaline says go or go. (laughs) Dopamine is associated with pleasure though. Uh, Dopamine's a movement drug. And you know, some of you are in this field and you'd know this, that when, when someone has Parkinson's disease, they have a lack of dopamine, and they'll actually medicate someone with more dopamine to help them. But dopamine is produced when we have pleasure, when we have pleasurable moments. It's a brain drug, and it's, it gives you a hit of dopamine every time you do something pleasurable, and it affects your brain. So, in other words, you have a great meal, a little dopamine shot. It feels good. We call it comfort food, don't we? You know, when you're down and you're tired, and you're feeling all kinds of things, a little bit of comfort food, and you get a little dopamine shot. You know what's a great dopamine producer? Chocolate. Anyone in the safety of this community willing to admit that you have a slight addiction to chocolate? Okay, there we go. It's a dopamine hit. No wonder. But one of the strongest releasers of dopamine is sex. This is what makes pornography so strong in people's lives. Because sex is so accessible, something that allows for a dopamine hit to happen. Now, the interesting thing is, this is called, and there are so many people in this church that are, they're neuropsychologists, they should be teaching this part. (laughs) But bear with me just for a minute as I jump back into scripture in just a moment. This part of the brain is called the frontal cortex. This is the part of the brain that puts the brakes on. When you've had too much dopamine, too much pleasure, this part of the brain says, whoa, slow down. You've got other things you need to do with your life right now. It's not all about the chocolate ice cream and the sex and the other things that are going on. Slow down. There's things to be done in life. And it's meant to sober second thought. Stop it. But a a scientist named Dr. Eric Nessler accurately tells how this reward system that is good You can tell that a dopamine is a great reward system that God built in us so that we would eat, so that we would reproduce, so that we would multiply, and all of these things are a natural part of our wiring. But he's discovered that it can be hijacked the same way drugs hijack it. And here's how it happens. When you're stressed, when you're lonely, when you're fatigued, when you're in pain, What do you want? Comfort, right? Like who wants pain? 
We don't go looking for it. Who wants loneliness? We want comfort, right? And where we turn is often some sort of dopamine hit that makes us feel good. So we turn to food. That's why people overeat. That's why sometimes people eat things that are very rich and fat content and calorie content because it gives a higher dopamine hit. And they become dependent on it. Sometimes they turn to things like sex because it produces dopamine. Here's the thing, though. The more dopamine we fire through, and this is something I I didn't know until this week, that the cells that produce dopamine actually shrink as a defense mechanism. The brain says you're producing too much of this, and they shrink. Conversely, that means you need to do more to get the same hit. You see how the addiction begins to work? You need to do more you got to go deeper. you got to go darker in order to get the same dopamine hit because they shrink. So does a normal meal do it anymore? No. It's not enough. You need more. Does normal sex inside of a covenant marriage relationship enough? No. It becomes boring. See, contrary to my dad's generation, where pornography was about nudity, for our generation, pornography is about novelty. It's not about nudity. It's about new. And all of a sudden, that's how we move from softcore to hardcore to child porn. Progressively, we need to go places to get a bigger hit of dopamine. And it resets the brain. I like what one scientist said. He says it resets the pleasure thermostat. All of a sudden, when it was here, that was hot. But it's no longer hot. You need to turn it up more. You need to turn it up more. And we come by it naturally, but it's the brokenness in us that produces it. You know, I always said this about pornography. Everyone I've ever met who struggles with pornography is usually trying to medicate something in their life. Some sort of loneliness. Now, I don't want to say that's every time, but the people I've talked to. Some anger, some loneliness, some angst, some pain, some, some, some uh, restlessness in their life. Here's what happens, too, in the, in the cerebral cortex or in the frontal cortex. Also, these break. This is the put on the brakes part of the brain, right? They shrink. And all of a sudden, your willpower shrinks. So you're less able to resist. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. Fascinating little verse. Many of you know it. It says this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know how a lion kills? It strangles. It grabs the neck and it strangles the life out of its kill. That's what pornography does. So some of us in this room, and I know it, some of us in this room are addicted. We rely on the hit of dopamine we get from pornography. Other people in this room are abusers. They, they go through seasons where they don't turn to pornography, but they always end up going back to it when they're in a potentially stressful, difficult situation. You remember a few weeks ago when Pastor Bill was talking on, on the Sunday, he was talking about in airports, that's the largest consumer of pornography in airport hotels of all the hotels. Why? Because men are traveling and they're alone and they're tired and they're fatigued and they're stressed. And it's a dopamine hit they're getting in that hotel room. And that's why people turn to it. But if you have a Bible, 
turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to look at some fascinating verse the Apostle Paul talks about here. He says in verse 16, I'll read it. It'll be on the screen here too. But this verse kind of blows me away when you think about the state of sexuality, but also what God wants for us. Because this is ultimately, friends, not a feel-bad message. This is a redemptive message. I'm hoping you feel like, wow, God has so much more for me, and it's time for me to step into it. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is much, as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As written in scripture, the two must become one. Since we want to become one, spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us lonelier than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. Isn't that interesting? We must not pursue the kind of sex that leaves uh, that that kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy and leaves us lonelier than ever. And that's what pornography does. You get a dopamine hit and you feel great, and it makes you feel hollow and lonelier than ever after. And when you feel that way, you want another dopamine hit, and then you feel worse. And you, what do you want? Another dopamine hit. This is why, friends, I'm going to just be, because it's so rampant among males in our culture and society. A lot of young men have trouble committing because of this area of their life. Because it works against commitment. It works against intimacy. It works against vulnerability. If you're married to someone, if you're, friend, if you're married and you're viewing pornography, it is automatically putting a wedge between you and your spouse that you don't even see. All of a sudden, she feels like, where are you going? How come I feel like I don't know you anymore? And there's nothing overt she can point to, or he can point to. But they know there's a wedge between them. They can feel it. It's pornography. Likely one of the reasons. Could be other reasons. But that's what it does. If you're single, it gives you a dopamine hit and you feel great, but it always leaves you feeling lonelier. Just like Paul said, leaving us more lonely than ever. It always makes us feel more hollow. And it's a pretty big deal in scripture, actually. Sexual love is meant and designed for the context of marriage because it's the only thing strong enough to contain this potentially dangerous thing. And outside of that context, and if you miss anything, I hope you grab this. Sex eats love up. Sex will always eat up love and destroy it. Someone needs to answer their phone. (laughs) It always does. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. You've heard it that it is said that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's a pretty high threshold, is it not? Come on, guys. Okay, for other guys outside there, right? Not us, right? Because we're good, but we're talking about the rest of the male population, right? It's a high threshold, but it's pretty serious to Jesus. Because he views, porn is like, and if you're going to liken it to anything in scripture, it's sexual immorality. Any sexual activity outside of a marriage relationship. And it's dangerous because God designed sex for something different. You know, there's three primary things that God designed sex for. You can read about it in the Bible. One is to produce humans. You are all a product of God's design for sexuality. You didn't want to think about that today, did you? But that's why it's interesting. Some faith 
and groups will teach that's the only reason for sex. That's why there are, are even Christian movements and Christian denominations and the Catholic Church that would teach uh, birth control is wrong. Because birth control interferes with the primary purpose of sex in their theology. So you're interfering with what God has planned for marriage. But the Bible doesn't just say it's for procreation, though. The Bible also says it's for recreation. Now, you never thought you'd heard your pastor say that, did you? But don't take my word for it. Listen to the Apostle Paul, what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says this, Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them. Isn't that interesting? Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. These are the words of Paul. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve one another, whether in bed or out. Uh oh. You know, what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, sex in a marriage relationship is not about what you get, it's what you give. All of a sudden, it changes the economy of how relationships work. I'm not getting what I want out of this. It's not about that. It's what are you giving into this? It changes the narrative here. Now, I always laugh that I am talking about sex in front of a thousand people on the weekend. Those who know me best know I'm quite prudish. I don't, this, I have to get, I have to work up to be able to speak to you on a Sunday morning like this. I've been studying this for months. Why? Out of fear. (laughs) Out of fear. This is difficult for me. It's not as easy for me as it is for some. Because of my family of origin. We just, we, you never talked about that. You know, ever. Ever. And so, on Sunday night, I want to invite some of you, though. If you're single, but especially if you're married. uh, Come November 2nd, I'm going to share some things from the Bible in a talk I'm going to do called Sex Unfiltered that I can't share on a Sunday morning. If you're married, make it a date night. It'll be great. If you're single, come and see what God's plan is really for sexuality inside of a covenant relationship and marriage. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you're going to watch me sweat the whole time. And the last time I did something similar to this, uh, you'll know there were moments where I put on sunglasses because I, I didn't want to see you looking at me while I was sharing what the Bible was saying because the Bible is quite explicit. When people say the Bible's boring, I know right away, you never read it. You never read it. Because look at what I just read in, in Corinthians about sexuality and what it looks like. It's incredible. So it's made for procreation, but it's also made for recreation. The last thing that sex was made by God is for it to create oneness. To create oneness and communication. So that two will become one. Sex is, and I'll reread what Paul said, it's a spiritual mystery. As written in scripture, the two become one. We must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonelier than ever before. Now, Everybody just stop for a minute and think about it. Does pornography meet any of those things that God designed sex for? Reproduction? I don't think so. Some might argue recreation. No, because it's, uh, it's, you're not giving, you're getting. It's a, in a giving relationship. Uh, 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 creating oneness and communication? No. It's actually 
working against vulnerability and oneness and communication. The fact is, it leads you further away from God's design for sex. It leads you further away from it. That's why he keeps it in a covenant relationship. Why? Well, listen, when you meet Mr. Somebody or you meet that babe, all the fireworks go up and you fall head over heels in love. You know what that is? Dopamine. It is. It's the fireworks coming off and your mind is firing with dopamine and, and it's the way God had made it. It, it just kind of fast bonds you and it, it's exciting and it's like, it's like an explosion of love. And the problem is we get addicted to that. Hollywood produces that all the time. Have you ever noticed the romance? You fall head over heels in love. They never show you a movie about paying the bills. Waking up and her breath is terrible and you're saying, did you pay the electric bill last night? No. You don't, you don't get real life love. You get all this fantasy world dopamine love. And we love it. And we want it. And listen, here's the thing. God designed relationship to start that way. There's this boom. But he didn't design it to run on it. In fact, researchers have found that relationships that start purely sexually and they get married even, tend to last about four years. Because by that time, the man is no longer interested. He needs to find something novel and new. Because it's about novelty, not just nudity anymore, right? And all of a sudden, we are undermining what God has designed. But here, to the rescue, God. To the rescue, God. God also designed another chemical that can be produced by your brain called oxytocin. And this, this chemical is called the bonding hormone. It's interesting, and I'm going to read a little bit from the scientists because I don't trust me to be able to give it accurately to you. But see, pornography and sexual hookups, they all live in the realm of dopamine. And when dopamine's there, you won't experience the oxytocin that really bonds a relationship and keeps it together for the long haul. In fact, here's what it says. Uh, I'm going to read right from a journal. Oxytocin has a calming effect on the brain. It decreases the need for more and more dopamine. Oxytocin causes the warm, relaxed, secure, and intimate feeling of love most people desire. The great thing about oxytocin is that your brain never develops a tolerance to it. It does the dopamine, but never oxytocin. So a loving relationship built on oxytocin will last forever. What's interesting is science is just catching up to what the Bible's taught for centuries. It's amazing. I was reading this, and I'm just so excited about what is actually being affirmed here that we always knew all along. Dopamine is not evil. It's a natural reward system that we do have. But dopamine can easily come off the wheels because we love dopamine hits. They're quick, they're easy, and we feel better right overnight in that moment. Oxytocin is like that slow burn. And it creates a loving, committed environment where you can have those dopamine moments of sexual encounters inside of a safe, vulnerable, trusting relationship just the way God designed us to be. I just thought it was amazing because Paul goes on to say, and I'll keep reading from the scripture, he said, because our bodies are sacred. I don't know if you look at your body as being sacred. You might say, I don't like my body. Well, God says he likes it. Here's what he says. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from others. 
In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies, pornography. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another. He made us and designed us for, for connections. And he goes on to say, Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? I don't want to minimize this, friends. I may have done a lousy job talking about the science to you, and you may sit there and go, you're not convinced me. Let me just say this. God, the designer of your body, uh, he wants more for you. He says your body is actually sacred space, and he paid a high price for it. Don't squander it. In fact, it goes on to say, the physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. Isn't that neat? So let people see God in and through your body. Wow. In and through your body. Your body glorifies God. Summing it all up, Paul is saying, listen, sex is ordained way to see, to say to a person, I belong completely and totally to you exclusively. Out of context, it becomes dangerous. Out of context, it actually works backwards. Engaging in sexual activity, even, like, even with something like pornography, it makes it harder and harder to become vulnerable. Because you're not producing oxytocin, you're producing dopamine. That's why married people sometimes begin to drift. Something gets in there. That's why single people find it hard to commit sometimes. God's saying sex is one way... I've designed sex to give pleasure, not to get pleasure. I've designed sex so that you can belong to someone exclusively. Pornography encourages the exact opposite of what God designed sex to be. That's why when you partake in it, you actually end up feeling lonelier. I want to show you a video of a young man named Ryan Rees. He's uh, one of the best skateboarders in the world. And you're going to hear his story, and I think it's quite a courageous story. Watch the center screen. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles in Southern California. I was just, you know, skateboard like a normal kid and, and surf. And when I was in first grade, I remember finding like a big duffel bag of porn magazines in the back of my school. When I got to fourth grade, I saw a video and I kind of started understanding what was going on in those pictures. It just warped things in my mind. I don't know. Then I did a tour through uh, Mexico, Costa Rica, and Panama City. And I just did cocaine the whole time. One of our team riders found me in my bed with cocaine all over my face and all over the counter, and they couldn't wake me up. They thought I OD'd. All I know is I woke up the next morning, and they said, dude, we thought you were dead last night. And at that point, I just realized... I gotta change my life. I went to my hotel room and I was uh, by myself for the first time and sober for the first time in at least a month and a half to two months. And I was in Panama City at the Sheraton Hotel and I just remember going, Jesus, if you're real, I need you to prove that you're real to me. And I just, I remember this prayer my dad would say, just say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins, come into my life. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I said that prayer. I said, prove that you're real to me because I see religion around me. I see my parents and these Christians and I don't relate to them. 
And I remember going, well, okay, well, what, what can I do now? I said, I need to, like, read the Bible, right? And I start looking through the, the Panama drawers. There has to be a Bible in the hotel room. They have Bibles all over the world. I'd always see them. And I'd always be like, ugh, you know? <laughs> I open it up. There's a blue Bible there. It's a Gideon Bible. Pull it out. I start reading it. I was waiting for this supernatural experience. You know, I've taken a lot of drugs. I've seen a lot of stuff. And I thought that God was going to show up in his heavenly glory with angels and whatnot. But that didn't happen. <laughs> So I got the Bible, I stole it from the hotel, I put it in my backpack, <laughs> got on the plane, and I was surrounded by all the skate team, and they were looking at me, and they must have been tripping because they're like, this guy, is a, he lives his life like a pirate. And I just remember looking at him saying, you know what, if God's real, I'm going to find him because he's in this book. This is God's word. So I just read that Bible, that Gideon Bible, for six hours straight, all the way to LAX, and I remember I landed, and I just had peace in my life for the first time in my life, I think. I just felt peace. The next morning I wake up, I hear this song singing through my head. I remember just getting up out of my bed and opening my eyes and I was just, and I hear the song singing, this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in him. And it kept repeating over and over, it's like this little song. I'm tripping out at this point and I'm like, I gotta call my dad. My dad's a Christian. He could tell me what this means. I call him up, I'm like, hey dad. I'm like, dude, I gave my life to the Lord in Panama City. You know, I'm coming off drugs. I go, I have a, a, a heroin addiction, smoking crack, and using a lot of cocaine and drinking a lot. And I said, but I gave my life to Jesus in the hotel room. But the problem is I woke up this morning and I hear the song singing through my head. This is the day the Lord has made. And he said, Ryan, that's the Holy Spirit. And God is calling you and he has a plan for your life. At that point, I knew that God was real. I just started following him, reading, praying, going to church. I decided I'm not going to sleep with girls because, you know, I know it's in the Bible that I shouldn't be, like, sleeping with girls. I'm not using drugs. I'm going to church, but I'm watching porn because I'm like, no one knows about that. It's a secret, secret deal. But as I'm going to church, God's working in my life. He's transforming my mind and my heart. And all of a sudden, I come to this verse in Matthew, and it talks about Jesus said to the disciples, he said, if you want to be my followers, you got to turn from your selfish ways, pick up your cross, and follow me. My porn problem and the things I want to do, i got to grab that and throw it on the cross and crucify it and kill it. Just the way uh, Jesus hung on the cross with his flesh and, and died for our sins. My flesh has to die on that cross. I got to follow Jesus. So I stopped watching porn and I start, you know, every night I go home, the, the, you know, get me thoughts of watching porn. But by the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in my life, I'm praying to God. I'm like yelling at God, like, God, help me. Help me. I don't want to watch porn, Lord. I want to follow you. I don't want to... to to say something and do something else. I want to be like you. I want to be like the disciples. It's been five and a half years since I watched it, but I'm going to be honest, like over the last four years, it's been brutal. You know, I'd come home and I'm a single man and, you know, I'll get those thoughts like, go turn on your computer. Go turn, hit the button. Go to Safari. Go for it. But when I started hearing that stuff, the Holy Spirit is like, no, don't do that. I actually walked into a liquor store the other day and 
I saw all these porn magazines. I looked over in the media, I, I looked away, and I was like, dude, I can't believe I just looked away. <laughs> because Jesus says that you become a new creation in Christ. God renews your mind. You want to know words that would describe my life? I would say, I'm not perfect. I don't have everything figured out. Completely rough around the edges, but I know that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, and I'm going to follow him in whatever he does in my life. Yeah. You know, I showed you that video because uh, you need to know, you know the data already, but the great lie.